Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 972, and we're looking at Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. Let's read the passage. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these for my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then. Come follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished, saying to one another, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark's giving us this gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus. It began with the Galilean ministry, Jesus traveling through Galilee, teaching, healing, casting out demons, and interacting with religious leaders. And that's just a forecast of what's to come, interacting with the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Then he had some visits to Gentile areas, and through it we've seen the growth of the disciples' faith and understanding. Now they're on the journey to Jerusalem. It began with an interaction with some Pharisees with the question of divorce. And their question wasn't to get information, it was trying to trip Jesus up. Then we saw the blessing of the children and the commentary that you must be like a child to enter the kingdom of God. Now we pick it up in Mark 10, verse 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, it says Jesus was setting out on a journey. Does this mean they're starting out again that day on their way to Jerusalem, because it's all part of the journey to Jerusalem. Perhaps, or it could just be this is a standalone event that Mark has just put here for the, the context. But this is often called the story of the rich young ruler. And it appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now from Matthew, we see that he's young. From Luke, we see that he's a ruler, and all three of them present him as rich. So you don't get rich young ruler just from the passage here in Mark. You get that also from Matthew and from Luke. So Jesus is setting out, and this guy runs up, drops to his knees in front of him, and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Key takeaways here, what must I do? And that's all too common of an understanding. I've got to do something to earn heaven. 
And often if you ask someone, you think you'll go to heaven if you die? And they would answer something, well, I hope so, or I hope when the good is weighed against the bad. And that's all down to a basis of what they have done. And so this idea, what must I do to inherit eternal life, is not an uncommon understanding of things. It's wrong, and we'll, we'll see that through this passage. But also notice the contrast to the section we just saw, where Jesus was saying, you've got to be like a child to enter the kingdom of God. And what was the takeaway with being like a child? Being helpless, dependent, understanding there's nothing you can do to enter the kingdom of God. It's all up to God. You have to trust God to enter the kingdom of heaven. We say, well, that's doing something. No, that's trusting that God has done something. Verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. Now, does it say Jesus is not good? No, but what Jesus is doing here is shifting the mindset from Jesus to God. Because probably in the mind of this young man is Jesus obviously is a godly man. Jesus is obviously from God. Jesus is a good man. So I must emulate him. If I want to be good, I will learn from him how to be good. And where Jesus is now pulling up, no, it's not be good like I am good. The, the whole point is trusting God. So Jesus shifts the attention to God because it's not a matter of being good. It's a matter of trusting God. Verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Jesus is giving here the second group of the Ten Commandments. The first four are all about your relationship with God. The last six are your relationship with one another. And he begins with commandment six, then seven, then eight, then nine, then ten, then five. Honor your father and mother is commandment number five. And it says, do not defraud. That would be the equivalent of do not covet. For a rich person, you wouldn't necessarily be coveting what somebody else has. You would be defrauding them to get what they want, which is a, a type of coveting. So he's really covering the last six of the Ten Commandments here. Are you following the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses? Verse 20. He said to him, teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. Now that's when you're responsible. When you go through your bar mitzvah, which means son of the covenant, that's when you're now responsible to be obeying the law of Moses. And he's saying, I've done that. I have followed the Ten Commandments. Have I done enough? Well, what he's saying here is I have followed the letter of the law. Because Jesus now, as he so often takes it from the letter of the law, to the spirit of the law. Verse 21, looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Notice Jesus doesn't say this to trip him up. Jesus says this out of love because Jesus sees the condition of this man's heart and he knows there's a heart problem here and that's what needs to be overcome, the man's heart problem. It's not a matter of what he needs to do. It's a matter that he needs to trust God. So 
is Jesus saying, if you give your money to the poor, then you will have eternal life. No, that's not what he says. What he's saying is your wealth is creating a problem with your heart because what's he actually need to do? Come, follow me. That's what he needs to do. But standing in the way is his love of his wealth. So sell all you have, which would be saying now, trust God, give to the poor, which is really the spirit of the last six commandments of how you treat one another. So he's taking it from the letter of the commandments to the spirit of the commandments and how you deal with one another and shifting it from doing something to trusting God. Then you want to have eternal life. Come follow me. That's the key. Verse 22. But he was dismayed by this demand and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. It's the only example in the book of Mark where you have somebody refusing to follow Jesus, given an invitation to follow, and they say, thank you. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. That's to be pretty outrageous thinking because the popular thinking was wealth is a sign of God's blessings. People are rewarded for their obedience, for their piety, for their love of God through worldly wealth. So that's how God blesses people. So this idea of wealth being in the way of entering the kingdom of God, that's a a new way of thinking. And we see it in verse 24. The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, what's he saying here? Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, there was this little gate in the wall of Jerusalem called the eye of a needle, and a camel had to get down on its knees to crawl through that. There's no evidence that ever existed, and there's no record of anything like that prior to the ninth century, 900 years after Jesus, well after the time that Jerusalem had been destroyed. So it seemed to be something that somebody just came up with as an explanation about 900 AD. So that's something that there's no evidence for that. Best just to take this at face value. What Jesus is saying, it's easier for a camel, the largest animal that there was in their society to go through the eye of a needle, the smallest opening there was in their society, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. What he's saying there is, this is not going to happen. It doesn't happen. Basically, it's impossible. Now, he's using hyperbole here. He's using extreme language, as he so often does, to make the point. Verse 26 They were even more astonished, saying to one another, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus says, With man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. And that's the key to understanding this passage. It's possible with God. What is the man looking for from Jesus? Something to do. I want to know the recipe to enter the kingdom of God. I want to know the recipe for eternal life. What is it I must do? Give me a checklist. 
so I can check it off and know I've done enough. And there is no checklist. God has done what's necessary to enter the kingdom of God to receive eternal life. And the solution is trust that God has done that. Trust God. And that's what the man is not willing to do. Trust God and follow Jesus. So what do we take from this? One big takeaway is riches can make being a disciple difficult. It really can, because our affection for our wealth can definitely get in the way of trusting God. But he also says the rewards of discipleship are worth more than material possessions. Now, some of this will be continued next time as Jesus has more discussion with his disciples. Now, Jesus didn't teach that wealth is evil or that poverty is superior. And he didn't teach that only the poor can be saved. But discipleship can be costly, and wealth is often a hindrance to repentance and acceptance of the gospel. And so we see here the, the issue is, what's it take to have eternal life, to enter the kingdom of God? Trusting God. As we saw last time, entering like a child, that is, as one who is dependent, who can do nothing, for themselves, can only trust that God has done what is necessary. Repentance and acceptance of the gospel is what is necessary. It's not a checklist of doing enough to where the scales weigh more for good than they do for bad, because there's nothing we can do to change the balance of those scales. Our bad is enough to warrant eternity in hell. But God has done what's necessary for us to receive eternal life. And the question is, do we trust him? And are we willing to follow Jesus? Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of Mark.